0: And welcome to this week's episode of the Two Half Show. It's a big, big show we've got for you this week. There's been many, many storylines for us this week to cover um, across the Premier League, the NBA, the NFL, um, and further across the field. So now to go over what we will be covering this week. The Premier League will start with the reaction to the Arsenal-Liverpool game, of course, and all the fallout from that. Cristiano Ronaldo finally hitting 700. Uh, club goals and his career, absolutely phenomenal numbers. The fallout from Draymond Green uh, and Poole after after the infamous now punch in uh, practice last week, um, as well as some uh, NFL news from uh, an interesting week of action. Well, Simon, let's start with the Arsenal-Liverpool game, of course, your team. And last week, you told me you weren't looking forward to the game. It was probably slightly better than you expected, but what are your thoughts on the game, first of all?
1: I think... I was the same as I was last week. I was less confident going into the game, even before kickoff. I think Liverpool this season haven't been the same team as they were in the past couple of years. Um, They don't really have much energy within midfield. Legs look gone within the attack. And you don't really expect to see Liverpool scoring a lot of goals as they were previously. And
0: yeah, it's just... And on the other side, it's not great either, is it, in terms of the defence?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think... Defensively, Liverpool have been shambolic in the way they're defending compared to how they were previous years. I think mm. Trent hasn't really been on his game uh, defensively. Offensively is a bit of a push in terms of how it's been this year. I think Robertson does not look like the same player he was.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll come into Liverpool in some depth uh, in a moment, but um, let's focus on Arsenal. Obviously, coming away with the win, thanks to the uh, Saka penalty. Um, Arsenal are a very weird team this season because their record is unbelievable. Listen, they've only lost one game. One game dropped points. Um, top of the league still. Yeah. Going strong, I think, proving a lot of people wrong, or you know, giving a lot of confidence to Arsenal fans. Uh, and fair play to them, to be fair. Um do you, do you think that this is something that can be sustained for the whole season from Arsenal, or do you think that at some point? they're they're inevitably going to kind of come away not necessarily drop out of the top four but do you think talk of a title challenge is too early
1: I think Arsenal's Achilles heel has always been consistency like they always do well in a couple of games and then it's just about when they hit the blip how they react to it mm. and I think it always happens throughout the season in late November slash December time where I yeah. don't know it's due to injuries or just the players lose focus. Or just um, games piling up because
0: that's obviously when it gets busy, doesn't it?
1: But I think this season is different because you've you got think? The,
0: you've got the World Cup
1: coming. Yeah, now, certain players obviously will go to World Cup. For example, like Saka or Martinelli, Gabriel. Jesus, Do you think maybe.
0: Martinelli's gonna go? Because obviously, if we go off the last Brazil, Brazil squad, um, yeah, I know the him only players who to... didn't get
1: picked. Do you think? But I think they deserve to go in terms of the performances, and obviously for Arsenal fans. They'd love for them not to go cuz they're getting rested they're relaxing in Abu Dhabi I think it is.
0: Yeah yeah I think that's something that Arsenal have done smartly which is doing a almost like a warm weather training camp in in the UAE so that any players that do exit the World Cup have a short distance to join up with their teammates and then fly back together at the end.
1: Yeah you got to think I don't think I know many teams in the prem that are doing that. And for Arsenal fans obviously they'd love for majority of the players not to go to World Cup? Uh, as any club would, it.
0: to be fair, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're playing phenomenal football. Uh, the, I think the good thing about it is, obviously, they have a very young team. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think if you're an Arsenal fan, that, that should give you hope, because let's assume it's not something that can consistently be carried through for the whole season. You have a good setup there of a group of players that can be built upon in the future anyway. I think it is too early to decide if they are a team that's going to challenge. I think it's too early to even say if they are a team that's going to make the top four, even though given their start, I do, I'm starting to, to think that they're probably not going to drop out. Yeah. But we have to remember, we've seen previous. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Tottenham Hotspur under Jose Mourinho yeah. were top in December. Forget October, they were top mm. in December. And we saw how that season finished.
1: So. I think this season's different though. You've got you to take into account the World Cup. Because obviously within a normal season, you'd never have that within the winter time.
0: No, I, I agree. I but then you also have to think about it with some of that. It's the same for every team. No, exactly. It's not but just them.
1: No, but for them, them having momentum going into World Cup, all the players' confidence on a high.
0: Okay, so don't you think that could be a negative then? That if they come to a point where they've got momentum, wouldn't they want the yeah, no, the, the season yeah. to carry on rather than have it stop?
1: Yeah, that's where the, not issue, but the challenges that they could face could be because. Yeah, of course. Having the World Cup, stopping their momentum. And obviously the players having high spirits and listen to the interviews afterwards. I think Arsenal fans as well as the players, they've all become as a unit, like, the Arsenal yeah, they, they the seem
0: they seem a lot closer together um, this season than previously with, before.
1: With Arsenal, yeah. Like, Which
0: is a positive for them, of course. I, I think the the positive for Arsenal, and for Manchester United in that case, um, is that even though the battle for the top four is going to be the toughest it's ever been this season. Yeah. For the teams other than City. I think the fact that Manchester United and Arsenal have the Europa League as an option to up, yeah. to kind of still manage to to make it into next year's Champions League is a positive for them. Uh, and <laughs> sorry to say to your club, if you guys drop into the Europa League, it's a positive for you as well, if that happens. But I think with that option being there, it gives um, a lot of belief for the, for the players and the managers. Because I, I, I feel like because Arsenal do have a, a good core of young players, for me, Saka is obviously the one that stands out. I'm personally... I'm not convinced, as some others are, of Martinelli yet. Uh, uh, even though he's probably been their best player this season.
1: Without a doubt. But the thing is with Arsenal... I
0: think that if they don't make top four, would I be surprised to see Liverpool and Man City come in for someone like Saka? Wouldn't shock me.
1: I think that he's taken contract talks. So I'd, I'd be surprised if Saka actually leaves Arsenal. I think Arteta, the way he's set him up to play, is given him the confidence and the freedom... To enjoy his football, and obviously not many players within the Prem have that freedom to do so. Arsenal this season, um, in terms of them playing really good football, as well as having the young players around the elder players, such as Granite Xhaka, who's had experience. You've got Jesus, who's a Premier League winner.
0: I, I get what you're saying. Uh, it's a good blend. on On the other on the other side, let's move on to to mm. Liverpool in a bit more depth. Now we we of course talked about Trent last week and. He did the thing that he does where he has a good game and then the game after he's atrocious again. He obviously got taken off at half-time against Arsenal. I think a lot of even Liverpool fans are becoming a bit frustrated with his performances. I saw an interesting comment um, about how, I think it was from Rio Ferdinand, who made a comment that Trent goes into games thinking about how can I influence the game in in an attacking sense, and he doesn't really think about his responsibilities defensively. And he's in a position this year, and I'll be honest, I I don't rate Trent as highly as a lot of other people do, and you know that. I don't think he's been helped by the midfield.
1: I think previous seasons where Trent has pushed up, you have had the likes of Fabinho or Henderson dropping back. Exactly. And allowing the freedom to push up, where even if they do get hit on the counter, you've got Fabinho or Henderson either covering or taking the foul, so he's not really taking into account of him missing from the defence. And I think with Trent is that, now that he knows he's a number one starter as a right back, that he's not going to be dropped. Mentally, I think that affects his game because he knows going in, I can have a crap week of training. Knowing for I i to still start as right back because there's no one else better than me to in the To take spot the spot, can... yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think, me as an outsider looking at Liverpool, I feel like your biggest issue this season and one of the main reasons for your kind of performances or lack thereof is the midfield. I, I look at that team and I'm just like, that midfield, it, it, previously I feel like the midfield was purely functional. It was the defence and the attack and the midfield yeah. was there to do the dirty work. But I feel this season, that's been exposed a bit. And Yeah,
1: of course. I think Klopp said it in the transfer window that he was dying to get a midfielder. He was begging the board to, I think his comments were, they've got to take a bit more risk within the transfer window. And yeah, they took a risk with Darwin Nunes. But I think all Liverpool fans knew during the pre-season, Liverpool needed a new midfielder. We yeah. have, we have... Chamberlain And, and the one that you were linked often.
0: with the most, Mateus Nunez, uh, yeah, he's that just gone Chelsea game Wolves. has, he's wow. been incredible.
1: Exactly. I think, within the midfield especially, look, it's it's the aging midfielder, Liverpool don't really have much legs in. You've got Naby Keita who's always injured. Chamberlain, who barely even, he plays any games, is always injured. We've got youngsters coming in as Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones, who are good enough, but I think it's too soon for them to start games ahead of, Thiago, Henderson or Fabinho. And yeah. it's, it's always the same midfield. Them three. Thiago, I think he starts in, in the team without a doubt. Fabinho, this season, has been way off it. And Henderson, he's just there for legs now. So it's, what it's about kind of worrying as to why Trent, I think this season especially, Trent is Liverpool's scapegoat.
0: Yeah, I, I do think it's getting to a bit of a point now where I feel like we've seen it with players for United last season, Maguire, or Chelsea, we've seen it with Torres back in the day. Where one player, maybe he's underperforming for sure, but he gets he gets made out to be the scapegoat. Of course. Because he's the obvious one, whereas it's more of a team but, kind of Okay, l- let, me, let me
1: put this across to you. I, is, I is, agree. Is, yeah. there, is there a Liverpool player right now? You can look at the squad and say, you know what? This guy's been playing his best for Liverpool this season.
0: There's one player, but he got injured today and he's out until after the World Cup today, they've announced. Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz. L- that's it. Uh, that's, that's, the, it, o- that's the only one that I can allison see. Alisson as well, to be fair. allison has been very good this yeah, season. Yeah, that, that's it. But There's apart no one from else. that, yeah, I agree. And, and I think. And it's kind sp- of worrying why. The point, the point about trying to be an escape I think Hyde's, who's actually been Liverpool's worst, not worst, but the player who's underperformed the most for Liverpool this season. And that's Mohamed Salah.
1: Now, I he has this
0: underperformed ridiculously.
1: This 100%. I 100%, 100% agree with you. I think Salah this season has been... He's given me similar, similar vibes to the Salah of when he first came to Chelsea, where he was too scared to go and take p- plays on, dribble-pass plays, try, take some shots and go. He he's just seems... Since he's got Yeah, like, since he's got his contract. I don't know, I think he just doesn't seem the same player. Like, he's always as as usual. He's not really having enough service to him. And when he does, you'd expect him to take the player on, try test the keeper. And he's not been as productive in the final third as he was the past couple of years. Uh, And I
0: think the the shocking thing for me is he's a player who has consistently been up there when it comes to golden boot winners. Yeah. And he's only got two goals so far this season. You know, for context, Anthony signed for stupid money for United, but he comes in on the right wing and he scored in his first three games three goals. Mohamed Salah, the, the level that we expect of him is so high that we have to point it out when he is underperforming. Exactly. And especially when he's the guy who, you know, he's, he's Liverpool's talisman in the last few years. So when he underperforms, inevitably, there's going to be a loss in form from the rest of the team.
1: But it's kind of worrying where if one player like Salah doesn't score goals, you don't expect to see goals from the rest of the team. And for Liverpool, I think with Klopp now changing his style. Now, the worrying part as a Liverpool fan is he's changed it during mid now, yeah. obviously you've been caught out multiple times throughout the start of the season and for him to change, okay, you know what, let me play 4-4-2, let me try a different formation. But as Liverpool fans, it's like, okay, you know what, maybe he's got a plan B. Yeah, we've been caught out so many times. Let's change ways. Yeah. And it doesn't give you confidence as a Liverpool fan, like oh crap, like we've been caught out by many teams. There's no other ways of us changing. 100%. I, I think the... I think you got to take into part as well, Darwin Nunes. Now there is a lot, a lot of Pressure on him, number one, and he hasn't been helped. To be honest, he hasn't yeah. been helped. I think the issue with that is that they're not even playing to his strengths. Like he, watching him play against Arsenal and Rangers, he's doing beautiful runs in behind. He's getting the ball played a bit too late. They're not. He's played
0: really r- well against Rangers. We had that game on uh, on the side. Yeah. And he was playing really well. Uh, do you know? Do you know? Do you know why Darwin Nunes doesn't worry me? And I've had, caught a lot of slack for backing him. Mm. But I was looking at the um, some expected goals numbers of the Premier League the other day. And I, Darwin Nunes is only a third off Erling Haaland's XG for this season. Well wow. that tells me is that he's getting in, that per game, obviously, yeah. per 90 minutes. Well, that tells me is that he's getting in the positions. He's making the correct runs. He's finding himself in goal-scoring opportunities. And usually when that happens, the goals will find their way to yeah. him. Players usually revert to the mean of their XG. If a player's consistently overperforming their XG, you expect them to come back down. And mm. obviously the opposite, when they're underperforming like Nunes, you expect them to, to go back up. I do think that, like you said, though, they need, you know, they needed a midfielder in the summer. Pinker. They've got Arthur and he's yeah. out for three or four months now. It's, uh, it's partly unlucky. I am, I'm not going to say that, a lot of people are, are rushing to say that this is more than a blip. I still take, think it's a blip. For me, it's not weird to see this happen in a Klopp team after a phenomenal season. I would wait until next season to see if it continues or if they're back on track.
1: Do you think Liverpool are going to get top four?
0: I don't think you get top four, but if you drop into the Europa, I can see you winning that.
1: Uh, I personally, I don't think we'll drop into Europa League. Ideally, I'd love to get top four, but at this year I don't think we'd get it. I
0: just With don't that, know. That, I I, I, you have to take into account the the Injuries, I think Luis Diaz is the big one. Luis Diaz was the one shining light in an attacking sense, I think um, and him getting injured is a big one for Liverpool.
1: Yeah, him and I have to give a shout out to Bobby Firmino, who in the past, couple oh, weeks, yeah, shout out to him. Up. I think them two are the only players where it's like, okay, you know, what? I, there could be a chance of Liverpool scoring goals if he falls to one of them two. Salah, not too much. Jota Kumba from injury, I'd say give him a couple games, but it's now it's worrying as a Liverpool fan because we're not scoring goals. We're conceding goals every game. At the start of the games, we're the first to concede.
0: Injuries but are piling you, up. Yeah, and you don't expect the World us, Cup will be good for you guys.
1: But you, you don't see any positives coming out of the games. That's yeah. what's worrying for Liverpool fans. And, and you've think, only
0: got Man City next.
1: Which I think, obviously, City are just going to beat yeah. us.
0: Which is typical of the Premier League that you guys would go on and beat them in that game. That would yeah, yeah honestly, good, I, I it? think it w-
1: it could happen. And uh, it could be like a kickstart to a season. I'm hoping that it is, but... I just think City are just too good and it's their Premier League to lose, to be fair.
0: Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, Moving on quickly to um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, he scored his 700th club goal in European football. Incredible performance. Wow. The most by any player in history, of course. Lionel Messi's only nine behind. Let's not kind of forget that. But uh, a inc- phenomenal performance from someone who has been a much maligned figure this season and for good reason but a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement.
1: Yeah, I think in many eyes, it's between him and Messi that are goats. I think with Ronaldo, he's always proved that with talent, you have to have dedication, hard work and so on to make it. And he has made it in every league that he's played in. The Prem, Serie A, La Liga. And you can't fault anything that he does. I think his mindset puts him levels above any other player.
0: With the Ronaldo conversation, um the frustrations for me with it is one of the reasons that we actually started this podcast and it's a phenomenon that we see in modern football okay uh, where everything is so polarized everything is so the best the greatest every, amazing perfect or the worst trash and so on like everything's either one way or the other completely with no gray area with no nuance with no mm-hmm. without lying in the middle where thing most things actually do And I think for me, like I said, we've started this because we want to bring a bit more nuance to conversations about football and sport generally, to uh, analysis, to understanding around the game. Ronaldo and his situation is a perfect example of that. I feel like, especially within United fans, but even across the spectrum from other fans, it's either you think that Ronaldo is the greatest ever, he's perfect, he's still as good as he's always been, he scored 24 goals last season, therefore nothing is on him. Nothing, he should never be questioned. Or it's totally the other way around where he's the problem to everything. It's all on him. He's the reason teams don't perform like Juventus or United. He's never been a, you know, a top-level player like Messi or Maradona. It's either one or the other, and it can never be in the middle. And for me personally, as a United fan, and I know other United fans might disagree, but for me, it's, the truth lies in the middle. Cristiano Ronaldo, for me, and I know a lot of people would disagree, but he is the greatest of all time. He is the best player I've ever seen play this game. He isn't the reason for every problem at a club when he's at it. But at the same time, I'm not naive enough to not realise that he is a player who's 38 years old. He's no longer the version of himself where he was the greatest of all time. He's no longer that player. He's, he's no longer a player who really fits a modern system. And we saw that in the lack of interest in him in the summer, despite him trying to sign for multiple clubs, he doesn't suit the modern way of playing football. The truth can lie in the middle. So for me, when I look at him, I think he's a player who will be productive for us. He'll score probably about 10 to 15 goals this season. He's a very good option in many games, like he was at the weekend. But that doesn't mean he's suddenly perfect and the saviour and so on. Oh, and, and neither does it mean he's trash and he's shocking and he's finished and so on. Like the truth lies in the
1: middle. Okay, deeper. If I put Ronaldo in PSG's team, does he get the same amount of goals as Messi or more?
0: That's a very good question because I'm I'm I I I I'm not I'm not someone who who doesn't think he'd score a lot. Like. I think he's absolutely bagging in that league.
1: Exactly, but you gotta take into account. So at I, at I agree age, with you.
0: Like you have to take into account yeah, the environment around a
1: player. Exactly. And the, the age coming to into United. What, 36, 37? He 38. Came back to no, I mean, when he first came in last year. Yeah, 36. Yeah. So not many 36-year-olds would come to Prem the second time. And still, even though United themselves didn't have a good season, he as a player individually performed well.
0: Yeah, but there's a reason for that. He and affected and the team. How no, you no, no, for the, no. For the reason for that is, and, and, and we we saw that actually, On the weekend as well, even though he did score. When Cristiano Ronaldo plays, as he did last season, he makes himself the system. Players are forced to pass to him when there are better options on and so on. And on the weekend, we saw other players no longer play like that. But when he was in the equation, that kind of held the team back. So for example, you had Rashford playing a beautiful pass through to Bruno. yeah, And Ronaldo comes back from an offside position and takes the ball when Bruno had a one-on-one and the play stops because he was offside, obviously. So he makes himself the system, and, and that's why I'm not surprised with the number of goals he scored last season. I think physically, he's a player who can play. I, I don't believe in the myth that Ronaldo can't press. He doesn't press. He is the least pressing player in the whole of Europe, which is shocking. I didn't even realise it until I had to look at the stats that, that the other day. But that doesn't mean he can't do it. But I think that's just...
1: The new way of playing football. Exactly, that's what I'm saying.
0: That's what I'm saying. He doesn't fit with the modern way of playing football. And that's completely
1: fine, by the way. His job, like Roy Keane said, is just to score goals. My job is just to score goals. I'm not expected to run headlessly around the pitch. It's not headlessly. It's not headlessly. I know it's not headlessly, but why why should I waste my energy running around the pitch where my energy is best used when it comes around the 18-yard box? Because you as a Liverpool fan should know the answer to that. I think it's more him being negative-minded to yeah, everything's going to come to me, final third. I know I'm going to score. So let them do the chasing and give the ball to me. And I think that's what comes with the Bruno chance that happened in the weekend. I think you're right in some instances where he does go to a club and he does think he's the best or he is deservedly the best. But I think because of his name and his stature is why players can't really say too much about it.
0: No, exactly. I think that's a big thing. And for me, Naturally, and this again, this is not a fault, but this is just a reality that when a player is as good as he has been, has done the things he's done, has won the things he's done, puts up the numbers that he does, he's inevitably going to have an ego. Of course. I think the, the issue for United, and, and, and good on Ten Hag, because what Ten Hag has done well, he's put his fist down, he's took control of that situation. And that's kind of nipped it in the bud and ended the issue. The problem if he didn't do that, obviously, that ego would play a part in derailing things because he would feel entitled to, like you said, the ball a certain amount of times, the ball being played to him a certain amount of times, things going a certain way. And listen, Cristiano Ronaldo still has a lot to offer. He's still going to score 10 to 15 goals a season. In the right situation, he will still play. Um, And like I said, for me personally, he's the greatest of all time. A lot of people might disagree. A lot of people might think Messi. Um, well, we're seeing obviously the the two greats come towards the end of their their, their career. Is. But to put it in context, if Erling Haaland was to play until he's thirty eight, he would have to score forty five goals per season to catch up to Cristiano Ronaldo's total, which, which is, is crazy. Dumb, I think yeah. Haaland will probably score more than fifty this season, but for him to do that for the rest of his career is probably not gonna not going to do it. Finally, I wanna look back at last week's Champions League games yeah um, and, and it's a theme that I've seen growing this season to be fair um, and I want to actually come and question it now uh, and talk about it but the question is is Syria back on the rise because we saw last week Napoli absolutely demolishing Ajax 6-1
1: Six 6-1 one.
0: Six one. Mm. comfortable dominant performance Inter Milan beating Barcelona that this Barcelona super team that they assembled during the week as well and Serie A games this season I've watched a few and it is the qual- the level of quality in the in the game especially in the attacking sense has taken a step up undoubtedly yeah.
1: the question is is Serie A
0: back to the top table of <laughs> uh, European football
1: no so uh, I think Serie A has been on the in the past couple of years I think teams now such as AC Inter beforehand it just used to be Juventus and you've got teams like Napoli now coming in Roma with Jose Mourinho many other teams within the top six of the table challenging for the Serie A itself and you can see that within the Champions League games I think the only worry with Serie A at times is that due to the league and the slow tempo of football and how it's more calculated where in the Premier League it's more full throttle and defensively it's up there with Probably one of the best leagues. But I think the downside is they need to increase the tempo when they play the bigger teams because look how the AC played against Chelsea.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the AC Milan was, I think, an aberration because you look at the other games that went on and, and the teams were were absolutely immense. The, the, Inter, the Inter-Barcelona, when we of course saw, and I know Barcelona probably should have had a penalty, but arguably Inter-Milan should have scored a couple more as well. So... I I like the fact that it's on the the come up again because it does bring back the memories of like the mid two thousands. Yeah. Um, where Syria was was a top top league and I think it's it's been affected a lot by the the scandals that might have happened back then and so on. But as a league, I feel like they are on the return and they are signing quality from many nations. A lot of young young English players are going yeah. there and performing. Uh, shout out to, uh, okay. to Mori, yeah. absolutely bossing it in AC Milan at the moment. So uh, we're seeing quality return to the league and grow. Something that we might not have seen previously. But I, I, I like the fact that it's uh, it's coming back. And I think for me, the the measure of if it is back or not comes down to, will we see an Italian team in the latter stages of European competition? If we start to see yeah. that, then I think we can comfortably say that they are back to the level of the Premier League and League La Liga and so on. Um, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? I, yeah, I, think, of I, I, I think I mentioned I um, mentioned uh, at the start of the season in our Champions League predictions. I had AC Milan as my dark horse for the Champions League, um, and I'd like to see them go far. I, I do like AC Milan. If I had to have an Italian team, it would, yeah. pro- it would probably be AC Milan. Uh, I'm I'm very very happy to see them return because obviously they were away from the top for a while and, and, and so coming back to win, it, to win it last season.
1: And you've got to take into account... That
0: Ironically, Juventus are the team that's not performing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> even though they spend Shout most out money, Allegri. Even though they spend majority of the most, even though they spend a lot of money throughout each summer transfer window. But I think what's good to see within Syria is that beforehand, because it's obviously like you stated, it was just Juventus winning year in, year out. It's now, it's as a neutral, you go into the season watching the likes of AC, Inter, Napoli, other teams where you didn't think they would be challenging a couple of years ago. Are challenging now.
0: It'll be interesting to see how the Italian teams perform. Um, th- this year uh, I really do hope that we see uh, some some late late challenges from them. Let's move on to the NBA, and we haven't had an NBA story for a while because it is the off season. But obviously they've they've started to get into the preseason form <laughs> now. Teams have started to return to training camp. We've seen some preseason friendlies. Uh, Uh, abroad in Abu Dhabi and so on but the big story from last week was Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole (laughs) in training now obviously the video has been leaked since and when I first heard the news that Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole I imagined like you probably imagined and everyone else probably imagined was there was a bit of a scuffle people were holding them back he reaches out and kind of half heartedly punches him in the face, kind of just grazes him. Yeah. I think that's what most people thought because that's if you see it in a match or uh, in in other scenarios where, where you can watch them, that's usually where it been play has been held back on. and so on. Yeah, yeah. like sh- like small small little punch, and then that video gets leaked the yeah. day after <laughs> on the Friday, and my God, you in full
1: throttle, AJ. he comes out
0: of nowhere. No one is really there thinking something's going to kick off. He goes straight in his face. Jordan Poole tries to push him back, but because of how big Draymond Green is, Jordan Poole's the guy who gets <laughs> sent back. And then he loads an absolute haymaker on his yeah. chin.
1: That was like a, a wilder punch of that. I'm not going to lie to
0: I saw that. I, I was genuinely shocked
1: that swear, he didn't, he, he he didn't break out, really. his
0: jaw or, or break an eye socket or something because yeah. that wasn't a punch
1: where he held back he put power into that punch i think look at the footage itself how are you doing that to your own teammate and it's not even like a light punch like you said this guy went full in for the jaw and i swear at one point like Paul was just gone like yeah now
0: we've obviously seen um the athletic now come out with yeah some details and, and you know these are reports so we take them all with a pinch of salt but it gives a little bit of An insight. An insight. And it actually kind of goes with what a lot of people think of Jordan Poole, to be fair. But according to the athletic sources, Poole began telling teammates of his plans to use his lucrative new extension (laughs) to install a pool at his house. I'll call it the Jordan Pool because it's going to be the GOAT, he allegedly said. Everyone can come swim in my Jordan Pool as soon as I get paid. Now, according to the report, the teammates soon got tired of that joke. Um, and it seems like they kind of told him to stop um, and, Draymond, and Draymond Green kind of told him to get a new material and it looks like it just escalated from there and from looking at the video it looks like that was said maybe and then Draymond Green was kind of just stood there at the back just thinking about it and then just goes for him now <laughs> it's now obviously there's the, the funny side to it as we kind of mentioned but do you think as... I understand, obviously, with with American sport, it, there's a cap. Yeah, and if Jordan Poole is going to get paid, then other players are probably not going to get paid. Maybe that's yeah. Draymond Green, so I can understand him being pissed off and, and doing that. Yeah, but as 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 a gr- as, as the grown member of the squad, as a uh,
1: like the father my, figure of the squad, and who stayed. Yeah, there for almost a while.
0: Yeah, as yeah. Uh, one of the kind of the, the father figures of the squad, mm. someone that the young players should look up to. It's not it the greatest show.
1: thing to do, is it? I think you can look at it in two ways. One, in terms of joining Paul, he had a good season last year. And in the past couple of years, he's been leading up to where you think, okay, you know what, he can take it to the next level. And he has done last season. And now for him, obviously, to get the big contract that he expects to get, I think he's been a bit shameful and a bit disrespectful to his teammates. Too where, big for his boots, kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, no, he's like, I'm I'm the new man now, like look at me. Whereas his teammates were like, We made you in a way where we played as a team and yeah, you We keep, helped you shine. Yeah, yeah. and, and like, it was a team effort of yeah, course. Yeah and he's and he's taken into account yeah, it's all me me and Steph or me and Clay or Yeah, and he's acting now, even though he's had a good season, but he's one of the big boys where yeah, look at me. I'm I'm one of the I've, I've made but it, I've made it basically yeah. And obviously Draymond now Draymond wanted to humble Yeah him. yeah, like, and I think rightly so but I think the way he went about it, it was wrong. I think there's different ways where you could verbally say it to him. Like, tell him, look, you're not you're not an older player like I am or Clay, or Steph, where we've been through the wins and the losses, and we still stuck as a team. We didn't think individually, yeah. Because you've never seen Steph come out saying, oh, I'm the best of all time. He, he probably thinks it, but he'd, he'd never say it to yeah, himself. Yeah, exactly. You have to think Orti, it to Orti's be a player. Teammate. Yeah. He'll say, look, my team help me become the player I am. Exactly. As Paul 100%. coming out saying, "Yeah, I'm the one." Now, obviously, Draymond's like, "Bro, you're just new to the game. Relax yourself and have like, some respect yeah, for people like, who have made." Obviously it kind of the thing. team helped you, so
0: I agree with you. I do think that there's probably uh, wrongdoing from both sides. I just think the allegedly, if if what's been said has been said, that's not the way to deal with it. Yeah. Because, like you said. Jordan Poole needs to be more respectful of people who have made it and, do- and done it for the Warriors. Yeah. You've been here five minutes, bro. You've got one ring. I've got four. Yeah, exactly. Have respect. Mm. But at the same time, Draymond Green needs to address the situation in a better manner. Of course. Where maybe he, maybe he sorts it out with Kerr, where he takes him to a side, has a conversation with him, you're not going to get paid if you carry on like this or something mm-hmm. like that. Or yeah. you're going to waste your talent if, if you carry on with this attitude. Something to just kind of make him realise the the issue, to make him realise the way he should go about dealing with a new contract. For sure. Because then this makes me question his dedication after he gets the new deal. Mm. Is he going to still want uh the glory? Is he still going to be someone who's going to work on his game? Question marks over that. Yeah. What it does do, it does throw a shadow on the Warriors' start to the season, which coming after a win uh, after winning the championship, should be uh, a glorious thing. But now you've got question marks all over the place. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it. It's going to be interesting to see how other players like Steph and Clay deal with it. They've got a great team. They're still going to challenge, even if Draymond exactly. Green's not about. He's obviously came out and apologised. He's given a statement. He said he's going to step away from a team for a couple of days until things kind of calm down. So we'll see. The NBA season tipping off. Uh, in a a few weeks, so that'll be something uh, good to see for sure. Uh, Finally, before we finish, quick mention of uh, a couple of NFL results this weekend. So, uh, the the main one I want to talk about is the the Giants win against the Packers in London. Um, The London game always gives us drama, always goes down to the last kick or the last throw or the last minute, and it was no different over the weekend. Uh, Aaron Rodgers failing to get the touchdown on the final drive to tie the game up. And the New York Giants, no one expected them to be this good this season. Shout out to the new uh, coach who has been absolutely phenomenal for them. Daniel Jones hasn't been too bad. Who stood out for you uh, for the Giants over the weekend?
1: Yeah, for me, I think Saquon Barkley had an absolute world of a game against Packers this weekend. 16 touches, 106 total yards, and one touchdown. I think the mentality... On, on,
0: he's, he's, he's starting to come back, isn't he? After, obviously, the long layoff from injury, he's starting to show that he can be a weapon that the Giants really could
1: use. And I think it's a sign of the NFC East showing that it is improving and there's certain players with quality that are showing up this season.
0: 100%. Of the The NFC East, famously called the NFC least in the last couple of seasons, <laughs> has shocked people this season. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, the only unbeaten team now, we're on 5-0. Uh, the New well, England, New England obviously 4-1 and one, um, so far this season, which everyone expected them to win the first couple of games because they're mm. quite slightly weaker because it was Weak against side. slightly weaker opponents. Yeah, But the way they've obviously continued now beating the Packers, a team who everyone expects to be contenders at the end of the season, even though there might be question marks over that. Um, And also you've got Dallas without Dak. Everyone expected them to go on a losing run, but Cooper Rush has come in and That defence, they've probably got the best defence in the whole league. They've not missed Dak one bit. Cooper Rush has performed to uh, a level that is maintainable with a a world-class defence like they've got. Do you think any of of them three teams could, could make a Super Bowl run?
1: I think for me, personally, I think the Eagles are doing really well. And yeah, I think they could possibly get the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, 100%. Sure. I,
0: I think because when I look at their schedule, they've definitely got very, very winnable games coming up. Yeah. With that and the 5-0 record they've already got, I, th- I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs. Um, and I also do think that they'll wrap up the number one seed. The, the NFC is a very strange conference this year because it feels like no team is standing out. Obviously, the Eagles are because of their record. Yeah. But no one stands out with kind of a world-class complete team. team Yeah, you have the Cowboys an elite defence mm. you have Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts playing his best you have Tampa Bay who have a nice balance but the quality might not be of a world class level I think because of how close it is we're going to get an interesting run towards the playoffs and then in the playoffs because anyone can win it mm. um, the AFC might have all the quality but the competitive nature of the NFC for me is, is an interesting one for sure Elsewhere, we saw the Bills absolutely run amok on Pittsburgh, uh, showing their dominance. Pittsburgh going through a rebuild, of course. We'll see how, how that develops. Or uh, yeah. with Kenny Pickett now at quarterback. Shout out Geno Smith, probably the most overperforming quarterback in the league. Seattle looking like the winners from that trade now for us.
1: Has Russ shocked you with how bad he's been for Denver? Yeah, of course, man, without a doubt. I think. Looking at the league and looking at the number of really good quarterbacks that there are within the league, for me, he doesn't even touch. Actually, not for me, he's probably bottom five or bottom six, seven.
0: I don't think a lot of people would disagree with you on that, to be fair. He's, been, he's absolutely shocked me with how, how badly he's played. And I was watching the highlights of the Thursday game on Friday and it almost made me angry with how
1: He doesn't bad. seem the same player. He yeah.
0: d- he's not the same player. Honestly, he really isn't. And they've just paid him a quarter of a million. It's crazy, but the the thing with that is, I was watching the game and I was getting angry. And with the Indianapolis Colts, I was like, "Yeah, Matt Ryan. Okay, he's never been someone who's been so. I can excuse him having a bad game, but my days, Russ. Russ needs know, okay. to get it together ASAP because mm. there's only so much blame that can be put on Harbor as the new coach. He needs to to get his act together and and, and really start to perform. It's been a jam-packed week, Osama. Yeah, uh, a lot of. Uh, things to discuss so thank you for joining us for it
1: thanks for having uh, me mate. appreciate
0: it as always of course and thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the Two Half Show be sure to send in your comments uh, on what you'd like us to discuss in the future And uh, as we look forward to another week of action of course we've got the Champions League returns in midweek and then on the weekend we've got Manchester City versus Liverpool
1: bro I don't even want to talk about that man. it doesn't let's it doesn't get easy for Liverpool fans that's for sure weekend for once, man for sure yeah it doesn't it doesn't get easy does it so
0: <laughs> thank you guys for joining us and we look forward to seeing you again next week until then have an amazing week and keep it locked